Hello and welcome to the Group Sofa podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Lucy. And together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people. We're sorry for your loss, but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Group Sofa podcast. In today's episode, Timmy talks about her mum and her sister. She talks about the struggles of grieving as a teenager and how football has been her saviour in her grief. We really enjoyed listening to the wonderful memories she had with them both. Hey, my name is Tinny. Um, I am currently a final year student and so happy to finally be done. Um, I'm studying sport performance analysis. And aside of that, I am an extremely sporty individual. I love football and um, currently play football and train a few times a week for that. Of course, today I'm here to talk about um, my grief journey, which has been, feels like it's been extremely long actually. So my mum passed away when I was 13 and that was extremely, extremely tough. Um, She passed away, she had cancer. Um, She had multiple myeloma, I believe. I hope I said that right. And actually, my mum passed away in 2011, so it's coming up to 10 years now. And I actually wow. only found out that it was myeloma four months ago. Wow. So it's been a crazy, crazy journey over the 10 years. And I think also my childhood um, has obviously been been very different from that point. And um, yeah, there's just questions that I never kind of got around to asking, didn't feel like I had the strength to ask and finally kind of got a bit more of a a full picture on my mum's passing recently. How old um, were you when when she passed away then? So I was 13 um, when my mum actually passed away and I know that my mum was kind of ill for three years so she would have been unwell from when I was 10 years old Wow! and um, I genuinely didn't know it's a thing. Mm. I honestly wouldn't have been able to tell you that you know maybe there was days where I saw this or it was only only until like the day where she she came home that of course I'd noticed drastic differences but through that whole three-year period I just thought my mum was a superhero like I I never saw her cry I never saw her talk about pain Um, she was there every day still made dinner and I have a lot of siblings so there's nine of us in total Wow, it's <laughs> yeah. a big family. <laughs> it, it, it is super, super crazy. So, so it, whereabouts it in the whereabouts in the age range do you lie? Are you so oldest, I, youngest, middle? No, I'm sort of in the middle. In the middle, um, sort of. <laughs> it's so super confusing. So I'm sort of in the middle, and there's seven yeah. boys, wow. um, and, then, and then only me, me and my sister. So, um, God, you can almost that's... make up an eleven aside. Yeah, that that po- I mean that probably explains why I'm super sporty, right? Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I I genuinely could, didn't notice a thing, and we're we're all similar in age, so there's really not much difference between us. So yeah, I my mum was there every day, um, and even on the days when when she wasn't there because she had hospital appointments, there was still hot food at home. There was always a message. Yeah. There was always like you you're gonna go to this after school club. You you're gonna have this. You know there was there was, was never any superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it really, really hurt when I, when I lost my mum because it came such a um, almost like a shock, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And with your siblings being from such a big family, were they aware of what was going on, or you know, were you all kind of in the dark about it? 
Yes, I mean the way it was split was that the older, older lot. So, so, so we have like a older and, and younger split. Yeah. Um, so the older, older lot, and that's four, four of the eldest. They, they knew all the details about what was going to happen, and they were very clear on time frames and what it was and and everything. And and because we were we were perceived to be too young, um, mm. we wasn't we wasn't informed about anything. Wow. And um, super tough. I actually, you, you know, funny enough, when I think about it, I actually only got told that my mum had cancer 10 minutes after she'd already died. Wow. So it's really interesting it's because tricky. I think with young kids um, and like, I think 13 is a really, really difficult age because that's such a pivotal time in your life. And yeah, I think there's an element of people just not knowing how to approach situations yeah. and I think in it, it's just it's just so difficult to talk about death it's so difficult to talk about the fact that people die and that it's all gonna you know it's gonna happen to everyone and so having those conversations with people especially 10 years ago I mean we're now opening up these conversations but yeah it's taken a long time to get to this point. 10 years ago, things were really different. And being able to even, you know, your family being, even having the resource to be able to explain to you that your mum was gonna die or the, that your mum had cancer, you know, things have advanced so much now to help them have those conversations. But back then I can't imagine how you would explain that to a 13 year old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think it comes from, yeah, like you said, that just not knowing how to say it. Um, yeah. And I think I think I, I spent a lot of a lot of years, especially through secondary school um, and, and college and stuff, just being very, very angry about the situation, mm. angry at not knowing, angry with the world, um, kind of just feeling really, really, really left out about the situation. And I think now that I've actually spoken to my siblings about it, uh, recently I've come to understand that it, you know it wasn't all all on them and in fact my mom didn't want the younger ones to know because she wanted us to just be happy at that moment in time and, and because we were we came home and we were still smiling and laughing and just doing whatever mm -hmm. kids were doing that made her day so yeah. so she didn't want us to be sad and worrying about her and all those sorts of things um so she sounds so like an absolute superwoman yeah yeah literally that being is able literally to hold it together nine kids as well I mean oh. like that is incredible that she was holding it together going through cancer for three years with nine kids and like that that some of you had no idea I think that just blows my mind that she was able to to stay that kind of strong throughout yeah. all of that definitely it blows my mind as well when I when I think about it and I, and I try to kind of imagine some of the days when she might have been having a really really bad day and then I'm sitting here thinking, have I ever noticed that? And I and I can I can only say I haven't, you know. Um, mm. So I think that just shows my mum's character. Um, I think also the, the culture that I'm from, you don't really tend to talk about how you feel or kind of express it in any sort of way. It's always perceived as, oh, you know, you, you've got to be strong. This is this is what life's like. You you come from that background, and I think just the generation that my mum was in, um, that's sort of just how it was. Yeah. So that also plays a part in 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 obviously us us not knowing and and having any sort of signs yeah, yeah definitely sure. and obviously being 13 i mean that's that's so so young do you think you even began to 
deal with your grief when you were that young or do you did you find that it surfaced up at later in your teens yes I can honestly say that um I only started to kind of process it really and, and I, I genuinely think you know I, I kind of grew up when I was 13 and 14 and when I was a bit younger sort of thinking my mum was always going to come back and I had yeah. a lot of years of those thoughts um, and it wasn't until I got to university I remember on the first day when I'd moved in I just had all of these emotions and I'd moved mm-hmm. I've moved out of London so I'd moved away from home yeah um and I this was the beginning of, of, of a new journey for me you know it's supposed to be a big step in in my in my career and in my life and my mum wasn't there to to stand by me and I felt like that was the first time where I really really felt that and that's when I then started to deal with my grief regarding my mum ask a few more questions in around the family talk to some mm-hmm. of my younger siblings about how they felt around that period and and yeah so I'd honestly say only from about 2018 so it took a good few years to get there and I think even now in this past five months I've talked about her my mum more than I I ever ever have really so so yeah it's, it's been super super tough and I think there's been a lot of barriers and a lot of hurdles to kind of step over just to get to the point where I'm okay to talk about it yeah definitely that's super super tough and I can imagine you know when you were that age did you have any friends that were going for anything similar like how did your school friends cope like did you get any support or anything I didn't I didn't have any friends Mm. that were going for anything similar I I changed a lot actually I went from being uh, you know a loud child a child that was always socializing uh amongst a lot of a lot of school children to one that just always wanted to be be alone I just felt like maybe if I told some of my friends or the rest of the school children how I felt that they they wouldn't understand and and I didn't want to put them in an awkward position to then have to feel like they have to force an answer or try and make me feel better when I just knew I just wasn't going to feel better so that affected a lot of my friendships and a lot of my uh like socializing from childhood and um yeah it was it was super tough it was super tough. I think there was a point where I used to just actually hang around because two of my my brothers were in school at the same time as me. Yeah. And we used to hang around together at, at break times and lunch times just because we didn't really want to be with the other kids because no one else really understood the pain yeah. that we were feeling, you know? That must have felt so isolating. Yeah, super, super isolating. Because that's so tough. I can't even begin to imagine. And actually having... I was I lost my uncle when I was about I think I was 12 and I just started secondary school and that was 12 years ago now 13 years ago now and I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about the people that were around me at the time and the resource I mean my teachers literally didn't know what to do with me and there wasn't really any support in terms of I mean they I think they thought that I was just like a troublesome teen after that they thought that was just you know mm. being depressed because I was a teenager and not they didn't ever associate it with grief and I always think that's really interesting now and I'm not really sure like what support there is now for kids in schools and I hope that it's better than it was when I was at school but the grief that I felt then for my uncle really I haven't I haven't dealt with until my dad died because it like triggered another you know it triggered that grief again and 
I had another death of a friend when I was 17 and I've really not thought about it literally until yesterday when I was speaking to somebody else about losing a friend. And it's so interesting how, you know, your grief can kind of lie dormant for years and years and years and then suddenly be triggered by other things. Is there anything that you can kind of associate that with? I know you said about going off to university. How have you kind of coped with with those triggering situations and and how have you moved past them or moved on with them? So I think a lot, um, and I and I agree with some of the things that, that you just mentioned there, and and how you know all of these things can kind of trigger trigger things and almost just set you off, and you feel like you're starting that process all over again. And I think for me a lot of it I struggled a lot with that when I when I went off to university as I mentioned and honestly I can I don't know really how how I got through it I know that I I used to be quite quite troublesome when I when I was in secondary school I went for a bit of a, a rebel rebellious stage I guess they'd say um <laughs> and I and I, do you know what funny enough I I found it better to be in what what my school called the alert room so a room where you get sent out of the class and you're not you're not with everyone else yeah. than to be in a classroom with with so many kids um I could, sit in there, I could just sit in there and be moody and I remember yeah. actually having conversations with my younger brothers about it and, and we'd be planning it we'd be saying yeah period four let's all get sent out so we can just be moody Aww. and sit in the alert room and it's 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 yeah I really do hope that um there is a lot more support through schools for children now um, as opposed to what I had. Um, but going to, to your question on, on, on the triggers and, and how I dealt with it, I think at that time, of course, football really got me, got me out of a lot of the stresses and a, and a lot of the um, the periods that I've been through. So I put all my energy into that, training quite a lot, been through a few different academies since then. And, and ultimately that's that's been been my saver I would like to say because nothing else really worked it, it didn't work when I when I had a night out maybe if I went clubbing I, I just used to drink and get really upset and sad about it towards the end of the night um and nothing else worked apart from that really so I think that's primarily how, how I deal with it all that's brilliant though that you found that connection with a sport that you love and that you can enjoy it and and find that kind of release through through that sport and I know you said that you've been studying um and doing doing football with your studies as well and and that's really great that you've kind of taken it you know that it's a great coping mechanism but now you're even taking it to a professional level to the fact that you could you know have this thing intertwined in your life for the you know for the rest of your career and that's probably going to help you cope in all of those difficult times you have mentioned in the questions about um signs and symbols from your loved one and I'm a little bit obsessed with signs and symbols at the moment and uh Alice likes to call me the signs queen because (laughs) I tend to feel very connected to things I'm not sure if it's just me being overtly mad about things but I'd love to hear about your you know signs and symbols that you feel from your loved ones sure I mean um Mine's very, mine can seem very specific. So, so I get these. Uh, I have a lot of grief, um, grief dreams, yeah. um, and I and I see my my mum all the time. Um, and there'll there'll be periods where, so for example, I I I lived in Bristol for a little while, just um, 
I was playing football out there, struggling with a lot of things. Um, and I remember just going home every day after football training and saying, look, the training is great, but this environment's really not for me and I really don't know what to do and I wish I could ask my mum about that. And every time I'm in situations like that, I honestly get the answer from my mum. So yeah. it, it, it will be me me laying in bed and um, I might just get like a flashing image of my mum or maybe just a little bit of change in scenery in the room and I'll get my direct answer. Um, yes. And that's actually how I ended up coming back home. Um, and I felt a lot better when I actually moved out from there and came back home. And similar situations I've had, I've had with uni. Um, and I get a lot of, so my mum's from, so we're from St. Vincent, completely obsessed with the sunshine. And every time I go to the cemetery, as soon as I, I sit down by by a graveside, um, the sun comes out. Um, and I and I see that as my mum's way of saying, oh, hey, like, I know you're here today. Definitely. Yeah. And, and by it, the way, I'm soaking up the sun wherever I am. <laughs> Here's a little <laughs> bit of the sunshine that I'm feeling right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. And it's just the, all these little things. And I think it's amazing. Sometimes it does really set me off and I can end up really crying about it. Mm. Um, but sometimes it just warms my heart. And it's, oh, I love that so much. I just love it. It's um, it's the little things, and and those are the bits that actually genuinely do make my day because I feel like my mum's acknowledged me. I feel like my mum still feels, I still feel that presence, and my mum definitely still feels my presence. You know, that's so beautiful. Like I can just imagine like the sun shining down on you, and I can just totally resonate with those feelings of of warmth and and connection. And yeah, it does just feel, yeah, like you say, it just feels like your mum's acknowledging you and still in some ways and still able to guide you or help you or you know give you answers yeah it's it's amazing honestly and sometimes I get really overwhelmed by it because sometimes there might be new signs or situations but it's like my mum keeps showing up for me um so even though she's not here physically she still shows up when I need her when I'm having a really bad day she'll come and she'll sit by me and say hey look I know you're having a tough day but you'll get through it and tomorrow will be a new day and um, it helps absolutely and the fact that you've got that connection even though you lost her when you were so young is is so nice that you can still feel her presence that much and that she can still come through for you like that that's you know well, that's what you need them for right I know that whenever I'm asking my dad about things or he appears in my dreams I wake up and go oh maybe he was trying to tell me something in that dream <laughs> like kind of analyzing it as to like what did he say like how did he look at me was I meant to be doing this thing today um and it's really nice it's it's so nice to have have them appear in your dreams especially when they're well and you know and they they're positive in them yeah of course of course can you tell us a little bit about your relationships and friendships that you've uh, that you've had since since uh, since yeah since you've been bereaved and and how they've been impacted by your grief? Yeah, so I think of course I've mentioned that I I kind of went through this nine year period I guess where I never really talked about things. I found it extremely difficult to do that, and that affected my my relationships and friendships quite a lot. So I'm not really a person. I find it very difficult to open up um yeah and I think with a lot of the stuff that I carry it's really really tough um I think you know I've been put in situations before where 
I would always mention that I, I, maybe I, I was living at home and of course I live with my siblings mm. and then someone will go oh so where's your mum then how come you don't live with your mum and yeah. it's just a good question and and that's why I kind of run away from making new friends and getting into new relationships because I I just wanted to avoid all of these questions yeah um, because it's a really really heavy topic isn't it and, and, and I can never really talk about it fully without without getting emotional mm. um and so that can that can be really daunting especially when you're meeting someone for the first time or totally agree or you're trying to build you know a new friendship or relationship it's super super tough um and then I feel this pressure to like have to explain the situation or or explain um, my circumstances when really I might not be ready to do that with you yet. Um, yeah. But because the question has come up, I feel forced to answer that question. Um, definitely. So yeah, I've you know definitely been times, especially through through um, university, where I've just completely avoided making new friends. Just kind of had one or two, and then just been happy with that. Not really, not really keen on um, meeting loads and loads of people to an extent where I genuinely have to socialize with them um so yeah it's been it's been a been a tough journey and and I guess you guys can understand that right when when you meet 100 percent it's just so much to have to offload Um, it's so so true and it's it is a question that comes up you know I had new neighbors move in the other day and I was terrified they were gonna say oh so do your parents live in Froome and I was just like convinced that they were going to ask me that question and I was going to have to say they're dead and and yeah you just get fearful of these situations so perhaps you know try and avoid them where you can yeah yeah of course and it's just it's it's a bit scary isn't it when you when you have to yeah it's scary because you're not sure I've I've had some crazy reactions to that to that question as well by the way and I think sometimes that throws me off because I might I might say it to one person and then get a really really negative response um and then automatically link up and kind of draw up the conclusion that the next person that asks that question is going to respond in the same yeah. way yeah um, well that may not even be the case but it's it's very daunting it only takes one bad experience to make you feel scared about that same situation again though and I think you know your mind and your thoughts can, can become your own worst enemy because you end up yeah becoming really fearful about it um your mum sounds super fantastic and I know at the beginning um before we started recording you did mention that you'd lost your sister do you feel able to talk about her at all and your grief for her yeah sure I mean my sister is honestly like my best friend um Uh, I only have one sister yeah and and I'm still not sure how to answer that question actually when someone says oh how many siblings do you have? I don't know if it's eight now or if it's nine, and it's just yeah. a bit confusing. Um, so after after my mum passed, shortly after, I went to live with my sister, and she became my legal guardian. Really? And she just looked after me. I mean, my sister put me first in in every, countless situations. Yeah. Um, and and I remember actually, we went through this period where it it was a little confusing because. I think I actually sat and talked to her about it one day and I said to her like hey every time I ask you a question you give me mum's advice and not your advice Mm. as a sister um Mm. and that was her way of understanding that this is the way that the relationship was almost going to be now because she was not only my legal guardian she was you know she was looking after me 
daily um she was making sure that I was okay in school everywhere else I needed to go when I had football training she definitely took me every time Mm. um you know definitely covering all the stuff in the house and there was was a lot of it but but you know my my sisters are really um we have a really close close relationship and we we tend to we mess around a lot we get up to a lot of strange things yeah (laughs) <laughs> and I think, Do you know I think what? I'm just yeah, like, just thinking, and I've seen I've seen you post some videos of um, maybe like on holiday with your yeah. sister, and you I don't even know what you're doing. I think you're like singing some song and messing around, and and you just look like you're having so much fun together. Yeah, honestly. Do you know what? My sister is uh, honestly I can't I can't say enough. She's generally yeah. like my best friend. You know, I I I um definitely would pick going going anywhere with her over anyone else definitely for sure um so yeah we that that video that that you mentioned we we were on holiday Mm. and we we were on the beach and um we were just being silly and mimicking each other but we were doing it so openly and everyone on the beach must have been looking at us like these two Uh. weirdos what are they doing (laughs) we were just having a great time honestly and we we do that everywhere we we do it all about we do it in the house we're always messing around Mm um we even have nicknames for each other and uh, it's just it just shows how how um silly and, and close and, and loving loving we are with each other and, and I miss that to be fair yeah a really special kind of love yeah definitely consider especially considering you know I only have one sister so now I'm left with seven brothers and <laughs> oh bless you that's gotta be hard work so how yeah. old was your sister is she quite a bit older than you my sister's 10 years older than me um so she passed away in October last year so so just gone six months wow yeah really recently um she passed away from heart failure and um she she was unwell at at some stage so shortly shortly after my mum passed my sister got unwell Mm. um and then she'd beaten all the odds, had some treatment. Um, she was fine. I got completely signed off from the doctors, 2019. And through a period of the first lockdown, um, my sister had just been getting some some symptoms and just been feeling generally a bit unwell. Mm. Um, I'd taken her into hospital to, to get checked up and stuff and we thought it was just going to be a, a usual procedure like oh yeah maybe you just need to um, take some medication for this or yeah. or something like that and four weeks later she she passed away um, so it was horrible because I didn't know that you know taking my sister into those doors that, that I wouldn't that she wouldn't come out of that building again you know um, mm. oh Tilly I'm so sorry tough. I can't even imagine. I cannot imagine how that, how hard that must have been, and losing her during this year. I mean, having been having lost my dad during this year as well. Like losing someone during this pandemic has has just been heightened. Like heightens every single yeah. emotion because I don't know about you, but I talk about how nervous I am to come out of this pandemic because I think have I actually dealt with any of this grief or am I going to be hit with a wall of it all over again? Is it going to feel like the day that dad died all over again on June the, tw- on June the 21st when everybody's out in the club? Am I actually going to be feeling like, oh no, like my dad died and I kind of have just been on autopilot through this time. How have you coped? You know, how, how have you been coping with it? Have, were you living with her at the time or? 
Yeah, so so like I said, I've I've always lived with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so now being in a house, um, so 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 what's happened now is my brother's switched positions, or technically, so my brother's moved in now just so that I'm yeah. not alone in the house. But even that's a new change, and that's really different. We don't get up to half as much of the silly stuff me and my sister got up to. So definitely miss the presence around the house, and and yeah, I have been a little bit anxious about the whole coming out of lockdown and stuff because. Uh, you know, I used to go everywhere with my sister. So now yeah. where, what, who am I going to go to these places with? And even if I do go with a friend, is it going to be as exciting as, you mm. know, there's always that comparison. There's always that fear. And I think because it hasn't, it hasn't been that long as well. I do worry as well. Like, like you mentioned that it's going to get to June and I'm just going to have a massive breakdown and it's just mm. going to be all a bit too much. Um so yeah, I think one thing that I'm I'm trying to trying to keep on track with is just just to take it a day at a time, really, or, or even you know half an hour at a time, because sometimes yeah. it can get can get really heavy, and especially living in in this house where or, you know where I've built all these memories of my sister. Sometimes it, it I genuinely do still feel like she's gonna come back one day, or I'm gonna yeah. wake up and she's, you know, I just feel like maybe she's on a really long holiday. Yeah. Yeah, that's so impossibly hard. Um, I was really impressed, actually, to see the other day. Well, not impressed that you were having a bad day. Obviously, that's not a nice thing for you to be experiencing. But you were speaking on Instagram the other day saying how you've been struggling with like low mood. And oh, there was like a certain phrase that you said that really caught my attention. And I can't remember what it was now. It was like, you just never like have the time to like catch up with yourself or something, something like that. Yeah, um, I think I was saying, um, I think I was saying, I just can't catch a break. That's it. Yes, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, I just feel like it's just happening all over again. I mean, yeah. my mum passed away when I was 13. Um, I've only just recently managed to, to ask all these questions about my mum. Yeah. And then now my sister's passed away and I have to start the process all over again. And I just can't catch a break. You know, even though I've got all these these extra positive things around me, like football's going well, I'm yeah. supposed to be graduating from uni soon. My sister was a big part of that process and now she's not yeah. even going to be at my graduation, you know? Um, just feels wrong. It just feels super, super wrong. I think the like the fact that you've lost two incredible female powers in your life as well. That's you know a big sister and a mum. They're two massive losses, especially when your sister did so much of that mothering because you were so young when you lost your mum. You know, it's it's like losing your mum twice almost, um, and that must be yeah. really that must be really difficult. You've spoken a little bit about some of the lovely memories that you've got with uh, with your sister. And we'd love to share if you've got one in particular that you'd like to share or of your mum or of both, then uh, then I'm, we would love to hear them. Oh, it's a really good um, good question. <laughs> so me, me and my sister used to, um, we used to do this thing once a year and it's called um, a big girl shop. And we, we've done it every every year since I've been 18. So when I turned 18, we went on a really, really big shopping spree. And, you know, we basically just wouldn't look at the price tag that day. Mm-hmm. So if we really liked the look of an item, we would just buy it. We would just go to a nice restaurant, just have a really good girly day. Um, and then we titled this day, like, a big girl shop. And we used to do it every year. Um, and, and usually in the summer. Mm. Um, and it just used to be the best day in yeah. out of the whole year like honestly we used to have so much fun do so much random stuff 
Um, I, I can just imagine time. you walking around and strangers laughing at you for all the silly things you're getting up to. <laughs> yeah, literally. Last time we um we we went to um Ulster Circus down in London, and uh, mm. we decided that it would be a good idea that for a fifteen minute period we'd walk up the street, but we'd walk backwards, <laughs> and everyone was looking at us like what are these two melons doing why are they walking backwards <laughs> up the street and how does that make any sense especially when there's so many people on the road like we were bumping in yeah. everyone. it was just it was so inappropriate but we uh, just thought hilarious that um, sounds like so much fun yeah and it just it's it's crazy yeah we just used to get up to so much random stuff that sounds like every girl's dream day out as well <laughs> like I want to go out on a massive shopping spree and eat the biggest lunch and enjoy myself <laughs> and totally indulge that sounds perfect yes yeah, actually so do you know what um I read a book um called oh the consequences of love and it's about um a girl or a woman who lost her sister but her sister was really young at the time and it's she's writing it kind of in her 30s and she's talking about now she's got her own kids and she's trying to figure out ways to incorporate her sister and her sister's energy into her daughter's lives Mm -hmm. and they have this thing called a candy day where they go to the shops and the kids can choose any sweet they like and they come back and they make this disgustingly large like 48 cake which is just covered in sugar And the kids love it because it's their Auntie Candy's cake, like, and that's their candy day every year. So what an amazing idea for you to be able to do that with any future children that you may have, to have that day dedicated to your sister. So amazing. I might actually give that book a good read. Yeah, I do. It's really good. So Tenny, you've spoken about football and how that's been a really big help in your grief. Would you say that has been the biggest help or has there been anything else that's helped you throughout? Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely been football. And I think alongside that as well, it's definitely been my brothers. Um, yeah. And although there has been periods where my, my brothers do this, you know, strong, brave face, do what boys mm. do sometimes, um, which really gets on my nerves sometimes. They, they've, yeah. always, they've always showed up, you know, always showed up, um, especially my younger siblings as well, who were, you know, we're only like a year apart in age um, on both sides. And they're just amazing you know, and it's just nice to have, um, I can't imagine what, what I would have felt like if I was an only child. Mm. And, I, and I say that to myself all the time. And I think, yeah. blimey, good thing my mum had nine children. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted to keep you busy. <laughs> because we, we, we can go through this together, you know. Um, doesn't necessarily mean we always have to always talk about it. or But, but we, we've all got that pain together and that's something that we share together. And I know they just get it. They just yeah. understand, especially the ones that went through school with me at the same time. They yeah. knew what it was like on a daily basis. They saw me on the worst days. Um, they've seen me on better days. And it's just so, they've been a super, super, like, massive support. Like living with my brother now, it's been super supportive. And I couldn't have asked for, for anything more. That's so lovely. You mentioned that you wanted to talk about trauma and particularly revisiting difficult memories. And I just wondered if you'd be happy to share that with us. Um, yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention about, about trauma because I've had a lot of um, stuff that's come up. So mm. I think especially with the stuff around my mum, I, I replay like the day she passed quite a lot. And I think I've seen traumatic things. So I've, I've seen my sister, you know, on her last breath and um I was there through the period that my mum was was passing and 
I think that's really scary as a child actually particularly and um my trauma just feels super super heavy got all these like trapped dark memories um I almost just want to erase and get rid of but you can't can you you kind of just um it feels like I've relived them sometimes and that can be that can be really tough and really heavy yeah I can totally see why that must be really traumatic and you know no 13 year old should have to go through what you went through going through your teenage years without your mum and then losing your sister it's just super traumatic and I think there's nothing that can prepare you for seeing those things um Mm. I can just imagine you like on a football pitch, just going like whack, whack, whack on the footballs <laughs> and just like trying to like release that trauma and just like letting it out. I bet you've got some um, right power behind your kicking. <laughs> you can tell that Alice doesn't play football with whack, whack, whack. <laughs> to be fair, that was, that was a good way of putting it because I, I do do that sometimes. I've just been repetitively kicking the football at the wall. Yeah. Um, with so much aggression I'm just thinking like just get out of my head just leave me alone Mm. um and it can get it can get frustrating yeah absolutely I think it's a really good point to make about trauma as well because like Alice said you don't like nothing prepares you for that moment having lost dad last year and being there like nursing him in those last days of his life being there when he took his last breath like helping get his body ready to be taken away to the morgue yeah all of that is so traumatic nothing prepares you for that feeling like there is nothing in the world you can watch or listen to as many things as you like seeing a dead body seeing somebody die especially somebody that you love somebody that means so much to you like I don't know how you feel about this but my dad had so much energy in him he was such an energetic person he could walk into a room where you just knew before he said anything that he was there because he just gave off he just radiated that energy so Mm. seeing him in those last moments of his life and then seeing him dead I was like where's it gone like where did my dad go because that's not that's not him anymore (laughs) like that doesn't even look like him anymore because all of that energy seems to go but your brain is still processing the fact that you're looking at a dead body and that that body does represent the person that you love but it's really hard to process that and it does come up and I'm sure you know I'm very early on in the stages of my dad's death but I know that I'm gonna have to process that over and over and I'm sure there'll be things that trigger me over time have you got any tips as to how you deal with that trauma I know obviously you talk about football and things but do you do anything specific to deal with that kind of PTSD trauma? Um, honestly, I just talk about it now. So so I'll write down and I'll talk about it to someone. So I if I if I replay replay a moment, um, mm. I'll write it down. And believe me, I've I've you know written the same vision or the same yeah. the same piece down countless of times. Um, but it helps every time to talk about it because it just feels like I'm I'm releasing it, you know, I'm letting it go. Um Definitely. And whether that mean I talk to it about my counsellor or I talk to it to my brothers mm. um, or to my partner, I, I, I just like to kind of kind of get it out and spent a lot of time not doing that specifically. And so now that I am doing it, um, there's a big difference. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because I think 
I always I'm really bad at like journaling and things like that like I'm, I've just never been able to get into it and I always people always say like oh write it down like journal do this mindfulness app or this mindfulness exercise and that just doesn't work for me but mm. actually I think I've realized that my journaling is having those conversations my journaling is waking up in the morning and texting Alice and saying I had this horrid dream last night (laughs) this thing happened and that's my way of journaling it is having that conversation with somebody and actually sharing that experience because it you know even just saying it out loud or writing it down in a text to somebody is a way of processing it because you're having to do it you know you're having to relive it to an extent Mm. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. And I think I think that's a good point that you made there because everyone does it in different ways, you know, and everyone has their way. Um, mm. And if you would have asked me five years ago if journaling worked for me, I would have said absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, got to find what's right for you, haven't you? Is mm, because you've experienced these two fairly sudden deaths of two very significant people in your life is there anything that you wish that you could have said to yourself when you were 13 or any advice that you wish that you had for yourself then um I think if I had if I had known at the time um and I was going to give myself some advice um or just advice in general about a situation it'd definitely be to understand the process so when I was 13 I didn't know what it meant I mean I know it might sound cliche but I didn't really know what it meant for someone to pass away um I didn't know if that meant that they were going to go and then they will come back but they'll be in a different form or or I didn't understand the process of, of you know how many days do we now go and get before we do the funeral or where does her body go after or or, or all of these things um and maybe I I wouldn't have wanted to know all those details at 13 gosh that would have been scary but Hmm. I just think to understand the process of or just be told straight up you know look this person's gone now and they're actually not coming back um Mm. and that that would be my my biggest thing and my I think that's something that I struggled with quite a lot. And I remember actually when my sister was mm-hmm. passing away, when I was made aware of it, um, my youngest brother's 14 and I, and I sat him down and I, and I explained to him um, as hard as that conversation was that mm-hmm. there's only one way that this process goes. Um, there's not some, some magical fairy dust and it brings a person back. When someone's, someone's gone, they, they are gone. Um, and it's hard to hear but it's super super hard to hear but I think that's what I I feel like personally it would have done me better if I if I could have heard that when I was 13 Mm, just having those really honest conversations and yeah and having that education there I suppose in the first place to be able to have those conversations yeah definitely I mean you know like you said nothing really prepares you does it so I mean no one's really going to know what does what does the last breath look like? How do you know if it's yeah. the last breath? Um, where does all the energy go? Is it all sudden and everyone's rushing, or or is it just over time they gradually fade out? Mm. Some things you definitely can't prepare yourself for, um, but a little bit more education around that 
especially when you when you know someone's unwell, you know, and that they're coming towards the end of their time, that you can kind of think about it or, or I guess, slightly prepare for it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grief Sofa podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review to help us reach new listeners. If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on the Grief Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at the Grief Sofa or email us thegriefsofa at gmail.com.